you know? We get after it. Now, let's say you and I go toe-to-toe on bird law and see who comes out the victor. You know, we jab her jaw, we go tit for tat we have our little differences. This is an open and shut case, and anybody who can't see that is a savage and an idiot! I'm not saying I agree with it, it's just that bird law in this country, it's not governed by reason. There's no such thing as bird law. Yes, there is. But at the end of the day, you win some, I win some, and there's a mutual respect. Listen up, dumb nuts. I'm just the best bird lawyer in the world. You're not my representative. I will be talking for myself. Bird law? Welcome to the Bird Law Podcast. I'm Rusty Grapple. My co-host is with me, Adam Butler. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can find it on Twitter at BirdLawPod. You can find me on Twitter at He's Very Good. And you can find Adam at LanceDance1. So we're uh, we got a pretty good little run going. Uh, taking care of business against the uh, Reds and Pirates, doing what they should do. Really, uh, obviously, need to finish finish off strong against the Pirates with the last two games, because then you got Houston, Chicago, Oakland, LA. After that, which will be a pretty rough stretch. Um, hopefully, not too rough. Uh, hopefully, they just continue to play reasonably well and come out of that in good shape but uh, I don't know it seems like I don't know I'm not exactly sure what it is but they've got a little bit more like fight in them which is just kind of really you know like an intangible thing but for the longest time this year it seemed like if they got down by like two runs you might as well have been down by seven because they weren't going to ever mount anything that resembled a rally and get back in the game. Uh, but over the last week or so, obviously there was a seven-run game where they, you know, they were down by seven and they came back. Um, like you know, last night's game, they were down by three uh, after three batters of the Pirates uh, came to bat, and yet they fought back and won that game. Uh, that's just. Something that's something they were doing in April, and then they just kind of started rolling over and dying in May and June, and and now finally they're they're not just quitting basically um, offensively. I mean they're not necessarily a juggernaut, but they're at least getting the job done. Yeah, I think often just having some offense will do that for you. It just makes the team look a lot more lively in general. Um, and it's just a lot more fun to watch, honestly. Um, and, and yeah, I agree with you yesterday. They got down three, nothing, you know, before the, before Hudson even got an out. And, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I would have been like, well, this game's probably done. There's no way they're going to first off, hold them at three and there's no way they're going to score five or so runs that they're probably going to need. And they, held them at three, scored four runs, won the game. That's, you know, that, I don't think that's something that would have happened a couple weeks ago. Um, and yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, it's not like, you're right, it's not like they're scoring a ton of runs. They're, they're just finally scoring enough to where, um, 
you know, they're winning some games, their bullpen's keeping them in it. Starting pitching has gone on a pretty good run. The last turn through the rotation hasn't been as good. They just haven't been as getting as deep into games. But, um, you know, it's it's starting to come together, it looks like. So hopefully going into this uh, going into this stretch here, they can at least play, you know, 500 against those good teams and maybe take the series against the Cubs. I think I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, that would definitely be a good situation for them. Um you're right. The starting pitching the last the last time through hasn't been as good as it as it was for a week or two before that. But uh, I mean, the for the most part, like Michaelis seems to be trending up. Um, Hudson just kind of continues to do what he's been doing, uh, which is a pretty good Jake Westbrook impersonation. Um, Wainwright's good at home. He's not. He's got terrible numbers on the road, but. Whatever at this point he he's he's been solid enough. Uh, Flaherty has had a pretty good little run. Unfortunately, they lost two out of his last three starts, uh, and the last one he didn't go very deep in the game, even though he didn't give up any runs. Um, Gallegos had to bail him out, but obviously the need is is for another starting pitcher um, because Ponce. Ponce is just not, well, he's had two really short starts now in a row. Um, I mean, he's solid, but not, you just can't rely on him to help carry you down the stretch and hopefully into the playoffs. Uh, you could really, I mean, it, it's just so, there's, there's not so, there's not a lot that you can do with this team. Um, the, the thing I always see on, you know, uh, Twitter replies or Facebook comments or whatever is somebody always says, I think they could use a bat more. And it's like, yeah, they could, they could use the offensive impact more, but that with the, with the roster they have, that's, that pretty much just has to come from guys uh, hitting like themselves, Goldschmidt ascending, Matt Carpenter coming back and being something that resembles himself, uh, you know, Azuna getting healthy. But you can clearly add from the outside to the starting rotation and make a big impact. Like that, that's why that, that makes so much more sense. Because if you add a bat, then you have to get rid of somebody else. There's a clear opening in the rotation. Um, and then you can kind of shuffle the bullpen, whatever. Um, we can discuss that later. Um, and I think that's probably the prevailing topic for our, our show today is... Uh, kind of thinking about the trade deadline. Um, I don't know. I've I've been looking starting pitchers. I, I like Zach Wheeler a lot. Uh, he needs to actually appear to be healthy. I guess he's going to start on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus Stroman is out there. That's a name that they've been linked to, which how, how valid that is, I don't know. But... Um, He's an interesting guy. He's got an extra year of control. He's having a really good year. Uh, he's got he's basically gets ground balls at the same rate as Dakota Hudson. Uh, he's a little bit more polished as an overall pitcher, but uh, and then obviously there's there's several other guys out there that we can talk about. But uh, what what do you, what are you thinking on the uh, starting rotation as far as leading into the trade deadline? I, I'm with you. I think they need. Um... 
one guy, I think, one, one that can average six innings a start. Um, because, you know, I, I think Ponce de Leon, you could, you could do a lot worse than him in the rotation. He's, but I think he'd put up a good ERA, but I think he's just going to have those starts like he did, um, a couple days ago where, you know, you're in the third inning and his pitch count is in the eighties and all of a sudden, you know, now they're, it, they ended up winning both games, but you know, they got, he kind of put them in a bad position last night where Hudson just kind of had to eat it, whether he figured it out or not. He, you know, he was going as long as he could, even if he was getting crushed. Luckily, he wasn't. He was able to put it together and put it, turn in a pretty nice performance. But, um, you know, that was a situation where if he gave up five or six runs early, he was, he was getting stuck out there. And that's not a situation you want to be in. Um, and so I think it would be nice to be able to you know, replace him with a guy that can average six or so innings a start. You know, Michaelis looks like he's getting back to that. Um, Flaherty's probably going to be an upper fives guy, even when he's right. Um, And, you know, from there, Wainwright's capable of giving you some pretty good starts. And you just, they need to get into a situation where they have that luxury where whenever a starter doesn't have it or gets into a jam early, they can go to that pin or if they need to pinch hit and, you know, the fifth, fourth or fifth inning, they can do that without worrying about covering their bullpen. So um, I'm with you. I do like Wheeler a lot. It'd be interesting to see what he looks like Friday. I, I kind of have concerns that the Mets are rushing him back just to, so that they can trade him. Um, but then, uh, yeah, beyond that, Stroman I like. I, I, I like, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Stroman, really, um, but... I think if you put that ground ball right in front of the Cardinals infield defense, they're going to be in pretty good shape. I think he, he does make them a lot better. So, yeah, I think uh, I think a starter is definitely the way to go. And, you know, I, I don't know. Even if they can't pull off one of those, I think they they need um, even just like a depth, a depth trade, whether that's um, – you know, I don't know. Those names aren't going to look nearly as good. Maybe that's like a Jason Vargas or something, uh, which wouldn't excite anybody. But they need, you know, if they can't pull off a trade for a high-end starter, they need something like that to, to fill fill some innings. Yeah, yeah, they do. And um, with going back to Wheeler for a second. I don't know why everybody's so down on him. Um, other than his ERA is is not is not that great this year, but the Mets are just a bad defensive team, and like beyond errors, they just don't they don't make plays, so they don't help him whatsoever defensively. Uh, his FIP and pretty much every underlying stat is is good with him and and right on par with what he did last year, which was a breakout year for him, so to speak. Um, and almost other than ERA, pretty much every number he has would be first or second on the Cardinals uh, among starting pitchers. So he would be a pretty significant upgrade. Health is obviously the big thing with him, but we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens Friday. I do like Stroman, um, and those two seem like they would be the most, I don't know, attainable guys that keep getting brought up 
Um, I, I don't know if Mad Bum is going to get moved now that the Giants have gotten hot, which I think might be a mistake by them overall because I feel like they're going to be like the Pirates were last year where they had a really good run and then they the Pirates went out and traded for Archer and then did nothing after that. Um, on the field, they did nothing. They fell out of the race. But So I could see the Giants doing the same thing. They'd, they'll be hot all the way through the deadline. They won't trade anybody, and then they'll fall off the face of the earth in August. Uh, so I don't know. But anyway, I don't know what will happen with Bumgarner. Um, guys like Mike Miner and uh, Lance Lynn, which I, I, the Cardinals aren't going to trade to bring back Lance Lynn. I just don't see that happening. Um, Miner, I, I don't know. The the Rangers haven't been that bad. They haven't been that good, but he's got two more years on his contract at a pretty re- reasonable price, so I don't, I don't know if they'll trade him or not. Uh, and then a guy like Matthew Boyd, who is kind of, I don't know, he's he's got some elite strikeout and walk numbers, but he's also given up a ton of home runs, so he's kind of hard to figure out, and the asking price is also really high. Uh, so, long way of getting back around to saying that I feel like Wheeler and Stroman, as far as the, the really good upgrades, uh, those seem like the most attainable guys out there. Uh, maybe not the most preferred options like Stroman would probably be down my list a little further but uh, I, I'll, I'll take him um, obviously I'll take pretty much anybody that would be a, just a, a solid guy in the rotation to, to help them just kind of double down on having a chance to win every single game and not going you know going into the every fifth game not really sure what you're going to get uh, just kind of getting a known quantity would go a long way for this team. Uh, but I don't know exactly who that would be uh, outside of the names that, that have been thrown around. Uh, the, like the second tier starting pitchers is something I haven't, I haven't really researched. Yeah, I haven't a whole lot either. Like I, I brought up Vargas. I'm sure he gets moved and he's got, you know, like a 3.80 RA, but at the same time, it's Jason Vargas. And, yeah, uh, and then if, if he doesn't, if he doesn't come with the uh, colonial era reporter standing <laughs> in the background, then I don't even want him. <laughs> that was still one of the craziest pictures I've ever seen. Uh, but yeah, I, going back to what you said about Wheeler a little bit, um, you know, I have him on a couple fantasy teams, so I've watched just about all of his starts, and you know, at least in in some capacity. Uh, my God, that Mets defense will make you want to pull your hair out. Like, I can't count the amount of times that, uh, you know, he'd have like a runner on first with one out and have just this tailor-made double play and they get one out. And then the next, <laughs> and so, you know, like that's not something that shows up in the box score. It's not, you can't, you know, you can't give anybody an error for that. But, um, and then, you know, the next guy bloops a single and he gives up a home run when he should have been out of the inning. Like, it's like that kind of thing. It's like he's – it's been annoying because it's like he's only been bad when he's asked to get four outs and then he gets crushed. And so it's it's been really frustrating. You know, I don't, I don't think he'd be – step in and be like a number one starter by any means. But, um, 
you know, watching how bad that defense is. You know, I, I tweeted the other day, like, how I'm not a, a huge fan of um, the stat FIP. You know, I don't think it applies to every pitcher. Um, but with Wheeler specifically, I think that's one guy that his FIP is probably closer to the pitcher he is than his ERA, just because that Mets defense is so freaking bad. Like, they don't, they have, whenever they put Lagares in center, they have a plus defender in center. But beyond that, I don't think they have a single good defensive player on the team. And so it's it's really frustrating to watch. I think if you get him over and he's not a big ground ball guy, um, I guess he's a decent ground ball guy. But I think if you put him in front of, you know, the Cardinals defense, which is, you know, at least on the infield, really good, um, you would see an ERA that, that trends closer to the mid threes. And all of a sudden, you're asking him to throw less each inning uh, because you're actually turning his balls and play into outs. So now he's probably going to average closer to seven innings a start, and that that would be huge for this team. Yeah, yeah, it would. Uh, and the Mets defense really is it is terrible. Um, like, you know, defensive metrics are imperfect, but if you just look at the the collective team numbers uh, in baseball. The Mets are in like the bottom four in pretty much every every defensive metric out there. Not in errors. Uh, they that that some of that's just not getting to balls, um, and errors are or whatever. I mean, that's just error is not a like something that determines defensive skill necessarily. Right. It's just it accounts for whenever you screw up, uh, which is I think something that people people just kind of miss that. Um, whatever. I'm not going to get into a, a whole debate on errors, but um, anyway, they they're just bad. They their their range is bad. I mean, their ultimate zone rating is is like one of the worst in in baseball. Their defensive they're like second to last in defensive run saves, and that's because it's like a negative 48 or something stupid. Um, they're just they're just awful defensively. So yeah, it would help them. A lot because like the Cardinals on the other side are uh, they're kind of middle of the road in, in some numbers. Um, I think they have the second fewest errors in baseball, uh, so they they don't kick the ball around a lot. But um, they're they're kind of like middle of the league, uh, middle to like tenth. So they're they're somewhere in that uh, high high middle class, I guess of. Uh, as far as most of the defensive metrics go. So that would be a pretty dramatic upgrade, even though the, you know, you, you wouldn't call the Cardinals maybe like a top tier defensive team overall. You're still going to jump from like the worst defensive team to one that's, that's pretty, pretty good. Um, so that would make a big difference. So he, he is really intriguing. So that start on Friday night is definitely something to look at. I know, and I don't know, I don't know how much stock to put into that uh, incarcerated Bob on Twitter. He's always tweeting and like he's an insider, and I, I, I've yet to really figure it out. I just kind of read what he puts out there, and then see what happens. Um, I mean, a lot of things that he says end up happening, but I, I never actually pay attention to the timeline. Um, so I don't really know, you know, if he's getting the information first or, or what's happening. But anyway, he has mentioned that uh, I have seen him mention the Cardinals and having interest in Wheeler prior to him going on the IL. 
so maybe that's something that'll get revisited if he looks to be healthy uh, come Friday. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on because it, it is something that there's at least a little bit of smoke around. So uh, we'll, just, we'll just have to keep keep an eye on that because it's intriguing. And, he's all- and obviously he's a, he would be a good candidate. He, he's also a guy that, you know, I think with his ERA, um, you could try to sign him to an extension when he first comes over. Um, and you might be able to get that done, which I would be, um, you know, extremely on board for because I think he's just a good arm. He he's had some injury problems, but I mean, what pitcher hasn't at this point? And uh, I I really like Wheeler's foundation. He's, he's got that you know ninety eight to a hundred mile an hour fastball that he can he can spot up pretty well. He struggled with his command of it early this season but since then it's been pretty good i think he just um you know when he struggled this year um you know part you know obviously partly it's because of the defense which we've talked about but other times it's been you know he's always seemed to have that fastball pretty well in that pitch that he can go to um his slider has kind of taken a step back this year i wouldn't well i don't want to say taking a step back it's been a little bit inconsistent and so um for him to get just one of his secondary pitches. It's all he needs working on any given day is one secondary pitch, and he's going seven innings and giving up three or three or less runs. Um, and so I, I just think there's a lot to work with there with him, um, and uh, I, I think he'd be just a great addition this year and long term, really, as long as he's healthy at the time of the trade. Yeah, yeah, that that's the big thing with him is is just making sure he's healthy, uh, because otherwise he he fits exactly what we're describing. Uh, not necessarily an ace, but a guy who's just going to give you a really solid pitcher to just elevate the staff overall uh, by making it, you know, one through five deep, uh, rather than basically having four and a half starters. Um, just yeah, we'll just have to keep an eye uh, on what he does on Friday and, and what uh, his health looks like because he's he is definitely an intriguing guy. Um, and he's somebody that maybe the cost wouldn't be, you know, would would be able to, and some people would, would scoff at it because it's like, oh, yeah, the Cardinals, are, of course they'll go for the cheapest guy. But... Um, you know, it's something that the Mets can't necessarily demand the world for Zach Wheeler because he's only going to be with his new team for two months. Uh, he's got a little bit of, you know, he's got an injury history and obviously a really recent injury uh, concern that you have to take into consideration. Uh, so I don't, and he's, you know, some of his numbers, well, I just said that most of his numbers are really good, but like his ERA is not, not that pretty. Uh, so, you know, it's not like they can they can ask for a, a Roldis Chapman return for him or anything crazy like that. You know, uh, Marcus Stroman will, will get more in a return than Zach Wheeler. So, I mean, he, he would be probably the most reasonable. Uh, if you're going to like do a proportion of, like the upgrade to cost, he's going to give you the biggest upgrade for the lowest cost, probably that that's going to be out there available on the market as long as he's healthy. So we'll just, we'll just have to see what happens on, on that front. But, uh, 
the other aspect, obviously the pitching staff is, is the bullpen, which has been solid, but has gotten kind of strained here in the last week or so. Obviously they've been playing a bunch of games all in a row here. Um, and with the starting rotation, there's been some abbreviated starts in there. We've, we talked about the two in a row by Ponce, uh, that, that he didn't go very deep into the games. There have been a couple other short ones. Uh, obviously, Wainwright had a really short one, but so the bullpen's gotten kind of worn out. And it's something that you can always use reinforcement in the bullpen, even a, a good bullpen, even the Yankees' bullpen can use you know a, a reinforcement in there somewhere. Uh, that's always something to look for at the trade deadline. I think for the Cardinals... That is, at least on the trade front, lefty relief is really the the key for them. Um, I don't. I think that there are guys in house with Ryan Helsley and Junior Fernandez that could bring pretty big impact from the right side. So maybe you don't necessarily have to dive in deep and spend assets to get a you know a decent setup reliever from somebody. Um, but a lefty would be pretty important. Um, and I know you've been kind of scoping this out because uh, there was a quote from Mo, I guess on scoops with Danny Mac uh, about, he specifically said left-handed relief with options. Uh, so there's a couple of, you know, a couple of conditions there on that. And so you've, you've been kind of uh, looking around for lefties that, also have options like will smith is a free agent to be um you know or a guy like chase and shreve when they got him he didn't have options um so you know more controlled uh guys that they can send up and down i don't know but uh who who have you found i know you've got a couple or at least one guy that you've been intrigued by yeah it's there's not um there's not a lot really uh (laughs) I um I was looking at it yesterday and there's there's a couple guys the obvious one um hang on a second let me find what I'm doing here um so yeah Will Smith is the obvious guy and but he doesn't have options so um god I'm screwing this up I had the list pulled up here um Okay, give me one second. This is a uh, rough podcasting here. Okay, here we go. Um, yeah, like uh, most of the guys that are, you know, left-handed, good, and have options also play on good teams, which probably isn't a coincidence. Um, but there aren't many guys that I would I think would be available. So I kind of, you know, was just going through and trying to find good strikeout rates, good numbers against lefties, um, and... Oh man, I still got this list screwed up. Hang on. <laughs> I need relief pitchers. There we go. But yeah, so one guy that they've been a little bit linked to, um, and I, I think you like, is uh, Tim Miza from, or Meza, I don't know how you say it, from Toronto. He's having a little bit of a down year, but the numbers against lefties are still pretty strong, and he's got. Um, He's got two options remaining, and he's under control for a few years, I think four more years. Um, in 
you know, there's reason to think they would, that he would be available with Toronto, obviously selling, um, you know, we talked about Stroman. Um, and then, um, beyond that, there's not a whole lot. I think Andrew Chafin could make some sense if the Diamondbacks sell, but it's not clear that they'll sell. Um, one guy that I found that I really like from the Yankees is uh, a guy named Stephen Tarpley. And uh, obviously the Yankees aren't selling, but they, their bullpen is so stacked that he's just he's only pitched 12 innings this year. He's been up and down a little bit. They just don't seem to have room for him. And, you know, I think we're seeing the benefits this year of trading for relievers that the Yankees don't have room for with uh, Giovanni Gallegos, of course. Um, and he, he looks really intriguing to me. I don't know his whole background, um, but he's, he's been dominant against lefties in those 12 innings this year. He's got a really good strikeout rate, um, 34%. He's got a, you know, he he walks people at, you know, a a little bit of an elevated rate. It's not crazy. 12, 12 12.7%. It's, it's not, it's not a good walk rate, but it's not crazy either i think he'd be a really serviceable second lefty in the pin um you know i i uh his let's see his era this year is a bit elevated um because he's been crushed by righties a couple different times he's he's given up four home runs against or given up four home runs to righties um and that's all the home runs he's given up this year i looked at a couple of them and um two of them that i saw were just front row shots to um, right field in Yankee Stadium, which probably doesn't go out in any other, they probably don't go out in any other park. One was J.D. Martinez just crushed a ball off of him, which, you know, that J.D. Martinez does that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I think he would be a good option if, uh, if they're going to try to try to go that route. I don't know what the Yankees would want. You'd probably have to trade them something that benefits them. Um, you know, benefits their major league team. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they'd have interest in Michael Walker. You probably don't get that done straight up anyway. But, um, you know, a swing man might be of interest to them. But beyond that, there's not a whole lot. I think there was, and there's somebody I'm missing as well. But, um, yeah, maybe it's Brett Martin guy from Texas if, uh, if they sell. Um, but there's just not a lot when it comes to that. Oh, Richard Lovelady from Kansas City. I think that's more trading for stuff than it is production. But, um, you know, I, th- I think they need some sort of lefty. And if, if Will Smith isn't going to be available, then, you know, I understand going the route of um, controllable guys with options. Yeah. I think, the. I mean, I understand why they would go that route. Obviously, it's it, it gives them something more for the long term as opposed to a two-month guy or something like that but uh i don't know it, it it the situation that they're in you would almost rather they get somebody that's really established and a known quantity and that that you can pair with miller and and really just have this you know dominant lefty tandem uh, um, to really make the bullpen a clear clear strength instead of just getting another guy that's kind of intriguing like Tim Mesa or uh, you know his his numbers aren't necessarily that good this year uh, 
so you're just kind of getting another guy that you're hoping uh, works out. His his numbers, his splits are okay, but he's you know some of his, his ERA, his FIP aren't that great, but uh, his walks are high. But um, I don't know. You you'd like to see some you know like a Tony Watson type, which if if the uh, Giants aren't going to sell Will Smith, they're probably not going to trade Watson because he's got another year on his contract beyond this year. Uh, I don't know. The Giants are, are interesting. I'm not sure what they're going to do. They're, they're definitely a wild card in all this um, because they've got some really nice pieces to trade, but those pieces could also help them win if they think that they can like if they think that they have enough offensively to, to, to continue winning. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I I mean, they definitely just need uh, a real second lefty. Obviously, they weren't satisfied with what they saw with Shreve whenever they brought him back up. Uh, um, and he, I mean, he looked okay in his first two outings, but he was just, I mean, he couldn't. <laughs> He couldn't. He could not find the strike zone uh, in that last game that he pitched, uh, and it it was it was just really ugly. Um, but I and of course I've I've talked about Tyler Webb at nauseum. Um, <laughs> how how bored I am with him, but uh, they they definitely need to address that. I'm not. You know, it's above my pay grade to say how exactly to address that, but just getting somebody good uh, is is the first step, uh, or or I guess the step to take is get somebody that's effective against lefties, uh, preferably with some strikeout punch. Um, like Tyler Webb has, has some pretty decent like batting average on base numbers against lefties. They don't really slug off of him that well but he also doesn't strike anybody out um and that's that's kind of an issue there is you'd like to get somebody that can come in and get you that big strikeout uh, against you know the rizzos of the world or yelich or who, whoever it may be um and you definitely need a, a strong second lefty because you might be using miller in a closing capacity more often to keep martinez from getting totally gassed as you go down the stretch, because uh, we saw it this week, which, I mean, he pitched five out of seven games, so that was pretty excessive. But, um, you know, you might need Miller in different roles, so you need a, a lefty that can do a job similar to what he can do, but that's not him, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, they need to get a good lefty. Um, once again, I'm not going to get real picky about it because I just want them to get a good player that helps upgrade the roster uh, because that's what they need to do. That's what they haven't done over the last few years. Uh, And that's where they need to make the change this year is to actually go out and make a couple of uh, impact moves. And there's a couple of clear holes with the second lefty and the fifth starter. So one, uh, yeah. One move that I've been kind of expecting to scroll through Twitter and see is, um, and it would probably annoy every Cardinal fan alive, um, is uh, 
them getting Derek Holland, who was just recently <laughs> DFA'd by the Giants, um, because he is still really good against lefties. He doesn't have that extreme strikeout rate, but um, even you know he's been cr- absolutely crushed by righties this year. But lefties are um, only hitting 182 off of him, slugging 195. And so uh, I think uh, that might be a Cardinals move that I think everybody gets really mad about. But I think if he's used properly, it it would work Um, because he hasn't been used as a lefty specialist with uh, San Francisco. He's been just a long reliever ever since getting moved to the bullpen. And he's just been getting murdered by righties. But I... uh, if that happens, we would know probably today, actually, or maybe tomorrow at the latest. It was DFA'd a couple days ago. Um, so I would think that would happen quick. But, um, yeah, I'd like to see him aim higher. I was a, I was big on Derek Holland early in the year, and he just can't get a, he just can't get a righty out to save his life. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that being a cardinal move, and yeah, it would uh, it would um, have some people taking up the pitchforks, I'm sure. But uh, I I don't know. We'd have to see how it played out. But I I agree. I I would like to see them aim a little higher. I mean, this they're they're sitting here a half a game out of the division um, in a wild card spot. I mean, like. You could argue over the last three seasons, you know, in 2016, they were way out in the division. They were close in the wild card. Um, in the last couple of years, they've been, you know, a handful of games back in in both. Uh, this year, this is like the closest they've been at this point in the year to uh, really being in the playoff picture. And so this is a clear opportunity to go out and get a couple of true upgrades for your roster and and uh, gear up for for the stretch and actually make the playoffs this year because and I mean if there's any urgency then you know picking up Derek Holland off of waivers isn't really the move there but I don't know I, I could see them doing that but yeah they, they should probably probably try to find somebody better if they can, which they could always pick up Derek Holland. And if they are able to pull off a trade for somebody better, they can just release him too. So, I mean, that, that option does exist. So right. let's have to see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'd like to see him get, I mean, I want Will Smith, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else just is kind of just uh, not doing it for me. You know, yeah. just, even looking at uh, just looking at like the the top left-handed relievers by uh, strikeout minus walk percentage, like the top twenty aren't available. Well, other than Tarpley, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Will Smith is the is the guy. It's just whether or not it, they can pull that off, uh, we'll just have to we'll just have to see. Um, whether the Giants are willing to let him go and whether the Cardinals can make it happen if they are willing to to trade him. Um, I don't I don't know. Uh, what else do we want to talk about today? 
Um, well, do you think Goldschmidt's actually coming around? Uh, well, he did hit he did hit a ball out to the opposite field, so yeah. that was kind of nice to see. Um, I don't know. He's he's been weird. He's had several at bats in the last week where it's just like they just pump fastballs at him and he just does not hit them, which is just really annoying. Um, because it's like that when it, whenever the the hitters get interviewed, they're early at least earlier in the year they they always said things like, "Well, we're a fastball hitting team, and we're getting a lot of breaking balls and off speed pitches." Um, but I don't know, or they say they they were hunting fastballs. That was a phrase that I always heard, and but then yet they weren't going out there and attacking fastballs on like the first or second pitch, uh, fastballs down the middle and stuff like that. So that was always kind of annoying. But anyway, Goldschmidt, um, I don't know if he's totally back. Maybe he's just, maybe he'll just go hot and cold for a little while and then finally just get in a consistent groove. But he's he's producing in uh, key spots more lately than he has, or than he had pretty much the entire year, um, which is pretty big. And obviously it's showing up in the in the wind column uh, because earlier in the year you know the the game tying home run that he hit yesterday just doesn't happen you know he grounds out weekly to the third baseman and then it's it's over um the grand slam doesn't happen Uh, so even if he's maybe not quite consistently back yet but he is making more impact now than he than he had been and so that's, I mean, that's a positive uh, trend. So hopefully, hopefully he kind of carries that and eventually he just kind of becomes a consistent force because obviously we saw him, he was red hot. Well, he was really good against Arizona and Pittsburgh and then he disappeared against Cincinnati. Uh, and then now he's doing a little bit something here against Pittsburgh again. So. I don't know. Hopefully he can kind of level things out and just always be there. But um, I don't know. I'll take I'll take all the production he gives because it's it's definitely more than he had been given. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like he's he's taking more good at bats, but the consistency from at bat to at bat still isn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his he's just having such a weird year. He, it's it's so hard to pinpoint what's even happening other than, I mean, he just seems like he's getting into a lot of bad counts, but like he's not walking as much. I I don't know. Like it, it also looks like he just isn't having as many hits falling. Like he's having some bad Babbitt luck there, but uh, I don't know. That's it's so tough to say, and, and it's unfortunate because the offense really hinges on him. I guess unless Carpenter comes back and hits like he's capable of, um, then that would really take a lot of pressure off of him. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. It's just there needs to be – like even in July, he, uh, he's he got a 134 WRC plus, which is good. You know, and if he did that the rest of the way, I think that would be just fine. But that would still be – let's see, he had a 133 WRC plus in 2016 – and that's his lowest since 2012. Like, his, his first career is at 141. 
I mean, he's a better hitter than even we've seen in July. And uh, it's just for him to get to that level that he was in Arizona would be, um, it'd be huge for the offense. Hopefully getting Carpenter back on Friday um, can help. Uh, you know, if you can come back and just hit reasonably well, that would be, you know, just like an 800 OPS would be a big thing for the offense. Yeah, yeah, it definitely would be getting getting Carpenter going, uh, having Goldschmidt being more productive uh, would are both big big things for the offense. Uh, Jose Martinez is starting to hit again after he was he was in a pretty big lull offensively for quite a while. Um, they're getting offense out of their catcher's position, which they didn't get uh, in that stretch. Well, since Yadi. Uh, since Yachty hurt his hand, he he was just uh, absolutely terrible offensively, uh, which he could barely swing the bat. So of course he was bad offensively. Um, I think they got a, they're getting a pretty good mix with Weeters and and Kisner now. Um, unlike last time when Yachty was on the DL, they really didn't start Kisner. I think they started him like twice uh, in eleven games. And we saw Weeders during that time. He started off with a couple of, with like a, a really good game, and then he went like over 20, his next 22 or something. Um, but I think they, they're getting the most out of both catchers by starting them basically 50% of the time. Weeders might get, you know, like an extra start in there here and there. But I think they're getting the most out of Weeders for sure by not just running them out there every single day while, while Yachty's been on the injured list. Um, so that helps with the offense, not having a black hole at catcher. They've been a little more sparing with the, the use of Bader as a starting player. Um, so that helps with the offense. Uh, I like Tommy Edmond, but I really think that they should just roll with Dexter Fowler in the leadoff spot because – you're probably not going to keep Tommy Edmond as a regular player all year once you get Carpenter back and and hopefully he's hitting. Um, I just, I mean, obviously Carpenter could be the leadoff hitter if he's if he's right, but I mean, you could just stick Fowler up there and and be done with it. Um, I don't know what 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 do you think of of Edmond and Munoz right now? I for me, I mean, I like both of them, but I also feel like that's a, a bubble that's going to burst eventually. Um, I don't know. I mean, Edmund, it seems like he's he's been timely with his hitting, uh, more than really good with his hitting, uh, and, and he's not walking at the major league level yet. So, I don't know. And Munoz is that guy who's like, you always think he's not going to be as good as he actually is, but he just keeps hitting. So I, I, it's always hard to make, to make uh, know what to make of him. But w- what do you think of those two guys? Because they've, they've definitely helped the team out, um, but how, you know, for how long? I, I think they're, with those two, they, they kind of just are what they are in a sense. Like, I think they're both close to league average hitters, uh, you know, whether that's, you know, maybe slightly above, maybe slightly below, I don't know, but 
Um, and that, that has a ton of value in, you know, sort of the role they're in, whether that's pinch hitting um, or filling in for an injured player, just getting a couple starts a week. I think there's there's a lot of value in being able to plug an, a- an average hitter into your lineup when, you know, somebody goes down or somebody needs a day. Um, but I, I, d- I definitely don't understand the argument that Edmund should continue to start at third over Carpenter. Like, what Edmund has done is basically what Carpenter has done. Um, and, you know, it's just a, a different perspective because Edmund, you know, didn't have all these expectations on him and Carpenter did. But he's been basically the same guy. And, uh, or at least, you know, if you take the, the last couple, what Edmund has done is basically what Carpenter has done for the last couple months. Um, and so, like, clearly Carpenter has more upside. You know, clearly he's the one that can carry a team for, you know, a month at a time. So you, you got to get him back in there. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see the argument against that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. So we're, we're pretty much on the same page there. Um, I mean, they're both nice players to have, but you like the, <laughs> the thing people complain about and use to defend keeping like, sticking with uh, Edmund and, and Munoz is the whole, like, I don't know why you got this blind loyalty, loyalty to these guys. And, and when it, like, if it's Carpenter, you're talking about Carpenter uh, and keeping him out of the lineup, but yet they're running out Edmund, who's got a 293 on base percentage and he's hitting lead off every, every single time he plays. Um, yeah. He's had some timely hits. He obviously had a huge <laughs> grand slam, but it's, I mean, his on-base percentage is like 30 points lower than Carpenter's on the year, and yet, despite his his uh, batting average being like 60 points higher, um, so it's just he's just gotten more hits uh, or hits a higher percentage of the time. Uh, he doesn't get on base nearly as much, so I, I don't know. Uh, it's like why why have the blind loyalty uh, to you know this guy because he's had a couple of timely hits like I I don't know I, and I, I sound like I'm dogging on Tommy Edmond right now and I, I actually like Tommy Edmond but um, I just think that your best offense is an offense with Matt Carpenter in it and and hitting well um, so you you got to stick Carpenter back in when he comes back. If he continues to struggle, then you you adjust, you platoon him, whatever, you know, don't play him against lefties because that would probably be the, you know, probably maximize his his production by just playing him against righties or, or whatever the case may be. But you got to roll him for probably at least at least those first two series. Just keep running him out there uh, once you get him back and see what he's looking like and then adjust from there. Uh, if he's looking something normal against Houston and Chicago, then good because you're you're probably getting your you're gonna have you know you're setting up for your best uh, lineup that you can have at this point. So I I don't know that that was that was a long winded way of saying that they should definitely just play Carpenter when he gets back and then just continue to work Munoz and Edmonds in there 
to give guys rest and or fill in if somebody's hurt, but uh, you don't have to, you know, suddenly make them immovable starting players. They they've done a nice job, but you know, that's you know, we just accept that it's been a nice job, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, you don't have to, you know, just supplant Carpenter at third and play him literally every single day. Like you can get. Edmund or Munoz in there a day each week or um, you know if, if there's a tough lefty get one of them in there like it's you can you can work uh, Carpenter back in like it's just you have to it's going to be a, a really difficult time getting into the playoffs if Carpenter's not hitting I think and I, I, I did you know I've said it all year um, and I, I just think He's your ticket to post. Not not necessarily. I don't want to say he's your ticket to postseason, but him getting on track, I think, makes them the favorite. If that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. If you get, uh, if you go, if you can go out and acquire a starting pitcher, uh, you can solidify your second left-handed role, and then you get Carpenter back and hitting. Uh, then you're you're as good as you're going to be because um, your rotation will be as solid as, you know, as solid as it's been all year. Uh, your bullpen will be in the best shape. Probably it's been all year, although you don't have Jordan Hicks. Um, and then your offense would, would finally be reaching its, its full potential if, if you have Carpenter hitting. So yeah, it, it would definitely be him. Him hitting would be the thing that really rounds the team into shape and, yeah, really solidifies their spot and, and can push them over the top. Um, that's, you know, it like Mo, Mo says that, you know, there's not like one singular move that's going to, you know, uh, put, you know, put the team over the top or whatever, however you phrase it. But um, there is a series of moves and improvements that, can put the team over the top. A couple of a-, a couple of acquisitions on the pitching side, and a couple of um, improvements in production on the offensive side, and suddenly it's it's a totally different story. And we've we've seen obviously with a little bit of an uptick in production from Goldschmidt that suddenly this team has reeled off nine wins in their first twelve games coming out of the All Star break. Um, and he hasn't even been hit, you know, he hasn't necessarily been good every single game, but he's throwing production in there that's winning baseball games for you. So um, if you get, if you can add a, a good version of Carpenter on top of that, it just, you know, continues to, to grow uh, from there. And, and you can, you can just really take off down the stretch, hopefully. Yeah, and he doesn't have to be what he was for the couple months, or you know, the three to four month Terry went on last year. But just you know, like a three sixty woba, just give me like a, a three seventy on base and slug close to five hundred, and that that would be plenty, I think. You know, obviously I would want more, but um, he doesn't have to be that MVP that he was for you know significant chunk of last season um so i i think he can definitely do that um and uh i don't know i'm excited to get him back because i think uh like like we were saying it could go a long way yeah 
Yeah, it definitely can. Well, we're starting to creep up here on an hour, so we will just uh, if you got any any other pressing subjects that you wanna you wanna cover or anything anything else on your mind? Um, no, not that I can think of. I think we're good. All right. Yeah, I think I've covered everything, or at least mentioned everything that I that I wanted to mention. Uh, so we will uh, we'll call it quits on this one, and and hopefully we can uh, we'll start recording maybe a little more often here down the stretch. Obviously, it's been a little over a month since the last time we did. Um, so we skipped, you know, we skipped some struggles and uh, and then some turnaround and. Whatever we we'll jump in here. It's just nice to be doing a podcast during a good stretch of baseball instead of the last few that were just after terrible, terrible stretches of baseball. So, right, uh, we'll, we'll take it, and hopefully they can, like I said, take care of business the last two games against the Pirates, and fare reasonably well uh, during the the tougher opponents that they've got coming up. But uh, all right. We'll uh, we'll shut her down. All right. This has been another episode of the Bird Law Podcast. You can find episodes of this podcast on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. You can find links to our writing and to episodes of this podcast by following us on Twitter at BirdLawPod. You can also follow us individually at He's Very Good and at LaneStance1. For Adam Butler, this is Rusty Grapple. See you next time. Thank you.